Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. Justin Hahnemann and the ContenderCast are shining a light on bright ideas. Today, Copa Cocktails. I cannot even wait for you to learn all about this amazing brand. On the podcast today is Jose Chow. He's the president and CEO of the Americas. Jose, it's so great to have you here on a Friday afternoon. How are you? Justin, I'm just great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm so glad you're here. I, I was looking forward to today's discussion. And man, I uh, what a cool brand and great packaging. And I, I don't want to go there quite yet. Um, why don't you, for our audience, share a little bit about you and your background in the beverage industry? Oh, thank you. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I started in the beverage industry, as we know, at the wine and spirits industry, Back in 1983 with Bacardi, I started in the streets of Chicago, if you if you can believe that. And uh, I grew with a company. I wound up in Asia Pacific, being vice president of Asia Pacific, opening up markets in India, the Philippines, greater China. So I traveled extensively. Yeah. And uh, and that was a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of interesting things that I'm using today as we as we develop uh, Copa Cocktails. Wow. From there, I took over the role of Global Travel Retail, which was an initiative by the company to really bring marketing right to the forefront and, and be it more of a three-dimensional opportunity for consumers in the state of travel to touch our brands. And so that was part of the brand building concept. And then from there, I became an entrepreneur for a while and i did different things i got into a different type of alcoholic uh type of a product called perfume uh and 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 the perfume luxury segment is really uh fascinating because there you really talk about you know the psychographics concern how to target them and how important packaging is to the whole uh you know notion of luxury so then, but I really, I really came back to uh, alcoholic beverages. That's really where I grew up. Uh, that's what I really love. And um, I came back in the role of an entrepreneur with a, a small tequila company by the name of Blue Nectar Tequila. And then from there, I got recruited to be the national sales director, commercial director for Marie Broussard Wine and Spirits. So right. I was running, running the U.S. and... Uh, and again, always learning. Every position I've had over the years has been about learning and picking up another nugget of, of knowledge that you can put together into the puzzle and uh, and continue to to try to build brands. That's what I really love is building brands. Wow, that's really, really cool. Uh, here you are at Copa Cocktails. Um, you lead the organization building the Americas region. Um, talk about Copa and, and where the brand came from. What's the origination and, and where's it been and where are we today? Sure. sure. Copa is, is a beautiful, beautiful product. This is it's uh, it really is the second go around for the brand. It started off many, many years ago, about four or five years ago, in a totally different package, a totally different juice. And then the company was purchased uh, approximately three years ago, almost four years ago now. And the entrepreneurs that bought the company had a vision uh, that they could 
probably repackage Copa cocktails because they saw the opportunity with consumers looking for convenience, looking for flavor profiles, and more importantly, looking for products that are natural. And uh, the entrepreneur, the CEO, the group CEO is called Natal de Grassa. He's a brilliant man, and he really has done an incredible job of putting not only the brand together, but the company on its feet, doing a great job. And the, the brand now is in, uh, in almost 40 countries around the world. Um, we're very, very close to inking a deal with Australia. Uh, we have Hong Kong on board, Malaysia is on board, Japan's on board, Taiwan is on board. And those were all markets at one time that I that I actually worked. Oh, wow. So nice. It, it pays to nice. have some good friends around the world, you know? No and, doubt. Uh, so that's really exciting. But the, the team in Europe has done a phenomenal job of creating just a, an absolutely beautiful, beautiful brand, targeting female consumers. And um, it's such an easy concept to understand that half the battle is has been won by simply showing the bottle to a consumer. I agree. The packaging is unbelievable. Like, it's so good. Um, you can go to copacocktails.com and check it out. Uh, pina colada, mojito, strawberry daiquiri, margarita, lit. I don't know what that one. Oh, Long Island Ice Tea. Sex on the beach. Must have had one before Cosmo. the podcast started. I know. How did you know? <laughs> I would love a Long Island. A Mai Tai. Oh, my God. Okay. So the mixer space. So this is interesting. So instead of, you know, we've had other guests on. It's like they're the tequila company or they're the vodka company. So why mixed, pre-mixed beverages? It's so simple. It seems like it's such an easy idea. How come it hasn't been done well until now? Truth of the matter is the, the, the category has been around for a number of years. Uh, the leading competitor has been Cuervo, and they've had Cuervo margaritas premixes, ready to drinks for probably 10, 15 years. Um, now you see them in the 175 bottles. Uh, however, uh, consumers have wanted a variety. And the notion of the world's best cocktails, that's not to say that we are the world's best cocktails, in a in a in a bottle, but it's it's kind of like a duplicitous type message because we are probably the best cocktail in a ready to drink format because it is all natural for the U.S. and the Americas. It's fifteen percent alcohol by volume. So when you when you get a drink, when you serve a drink, it's a real drink. It's equivalent to what you would get at a bar with a bartender making it before dilution. As you know, most cocktails have the ice and have the mixture and everything else. Totally. So what starts out to be to be at fifteen percent, it usually dilutes downward to a seven or eight percent, sometimes lower, depending on how slowly you drink your cocktail. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, it's just such a it's a space that you'd think has been covered, but I mean, like, the, I, I, it's just it it hasn't really been broken, you know, and and had a leader in it. You had you, like you had said there's one, but you guys are really um, making headway. What has been the key to getting shelf space to get on the distributors roadmap for you guys in the Americas? I mean, that's a big part of it, right? And get with the Southern Glazers and the Republic Nationals and others. It really it really is a challenge for any brand to come to market. With the competitiveness of the U.S. market, which is the the market, the playground that everyone wants to play in. So when you look at the thousands of SKUs and and the thousands of brands that these distributors carry, it is quite 
challenging to discern yourself from the others, to differentiate yourself from the others. So the way that we've done it is we've had a almost like a little process going. First, we send them the presentation that basically shows the beautiful, colorful bottles, that shows the design element of the, of the bottle itself and the design of our outer case. That piques their interest. Then the second thing that we do is we send them the, the actual bottles and they see the colorfulness again. Uh, we ask them to open it, smell the juice right from the bottle. And then we ask them to taste it. And once they taste it, it's, it's the show's over. They're, they're convinced they've never tasted anything so good. So to answer your question, has it been easy? Not at all. It's never right. easy in the United States. Of course. You know, no, it's, it's a challenge. However, you knock them off. We're in, we're right now in um, a little bit over 5,000 accounts. Wow. And growing. And this is uh, year one in 2023 20, markets. So I think we're we're holding our own thus far. And then of the line, and you guys, as you as I listed many of them earlier, any of these top sellers, you know, what's what's really working well right now from a product perspective? Yeah, going back to the to the premise of the world's best cocktails. So the world's best cocktails are continuing to be not only in the U.S. but around the world. The mojito continues to be a very very popular cocktail around the world. Uh, the margarita specifically is huge in the United States. We do have a margarita. Uh, so that's on our profile. Then we have the pina colada. The pina colada continues to be one of the favorites and top sellers in all the big markets around the world. And certainly it leads the charge, believe it or not, in the U.S. Because when you open our pina colada, um, the minute you open it, you'll smell pineapples, you'll smell the coconut, and when you taste it, it just blows you away. It really is that. one of the best tasting cocktails uh, that we make. Then we have Sex on the Beach, which, which is having a tremendous resurgence. And, and the reason for that is that, that younger consumers weren't around when, sure. when Sex on the Beach came out. And now they're discovering it, and they're discovering this beautiful peach flavor along with a very fun name. Right, you know, <laughs> of course. We kind of have a tongue-in-cheek sex on the beach. Oh, who doesn't like that? Right. You know? So <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Um, what about what's new in the cat in these in, in the space? Is there anything that's kind of an up-and-comer that we should be thinking about or watching out for coming to market that's getting traction that many might not be Absolutely. thinking about? Well, again, we're not going to be flavor of the month. That's not our intention. <laughs> right. That's not our position. Right, it's the world's best cocktails. So one of the world's best cocktails today, that's up and coming, and you see it in every market across the world, is the espresso martini. So the espresso martini is really, really very becoming very, very popular. It's being featured in restaurants. Uh, it's been featured in bars. It really makes for a very fun drink, especially amongst, you know, a party goer or you're going out with friends to a nice restaurant. It just has an eye appeal that's different than your traditional cosmopolitan sure. or pia colada or some of the more established drinks. That's one. Another one is the passion fruit martini. Oh, the passion yum. fruit. It's a hot, hot flavor. Yes. And, and we're seeing tremendous growth. Of the passion martini in, in bars in London, in Greece. Uh, we're seeing the same thing happen in Italy. So that part is really, really, really exciting. And then, of course, you have the good old Negroni. 
Oh, uh, I was going to bring that one up. I, I've become a Negroni fan the last couple of months. Yeah, so the Negroni is really an outstanding our, our standing product that, that our team in, uh, in the Netherlands developed. And the CEO, the group CEO, was really behind pushing the, the Negroni uh, in order for us to become a little more gender neutral, if you may, because our positioning really is targeting the female consumer. There's no doubt about it. However, a lot of my friends, when they come over and, and we're opening up bottles, the ease of preparation, not having right. to work all the mix blend. and all that. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, not having to model a mojito. Right. And then you have to buy all the elements. This really kind of hits a home run. And so we're having male and females drinking our product, which wow. is great. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so exciting time for you guys and, and your consumer. Um, how do you build trial? If people don't know Copa, they see the bottle, they like that, so that's a, that's one. Anything, any other ways you guys are using to gain consumers out in the marketplace? Yes, absolutely. One of the key initiatives of this past summer was to conduct in-store tastings where legal. So, you know, we target legal age uh, uh, consumers who are coming through liquor stores, grocery stores with liquor, and then we set up demos and we, we have a well-trained staff that is in place to allow consumers to discover the brand. Then we usually taste uh, three or four different products at a time. Not more than that, because then it really weakens your whole proposition. They don't know which one to go with. And But quite often what we're finding is that consumers are buying two and three different types all at one time. Our conversion rates the industry norms are on 23%. We're running almost 50%, 50% conversion to purchase. So that, that is just un unbelievable and it's wow. fantastic. That is amazing. Yeah. It's a big number. Yeah. So when you see when you see those kind of conversion rates and you you kind of you, you ask yourself, is it really happening? And then you look at your depletions and you and you see what retailers are ordering and they're ordering three and four flavors at a time. That really tells you that the brand has bandwidth and that consumers are trialing and buying more than just one. Sure. Wow. Um, and, and what great traction you're, you're getting. Um, is uh, You think about our listening audience. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening and many of them are trying to break into the alcoholic beverage industry or are in the sub, some sectors or se some markets, what's the key for a new brand, a small brand to gain traction? What are some of the things you've seen where those that have been successful have done? Like what would be the things you'd offer in terms of advice for someone that's an up and comer? Yeah, before, well, the, the first thing is make sure you have the, the right amount of funding to develop proof of concept. So I would do a test market type of an initiative, um, go into, for example, one market and you trial the, the, the price proposition at one price point, you go to another market and you do it at a different price point, uh, you merchandise the product in a certain way in one store, you merchandise a little differently somewhere else, and you gather sure. results and you understand what's really happening to your brand. You, you start to understand the, the likes and dislikes of the consumer. If there's any dislikes, you got to address it immediately before you go into full launch. And you have to have in place 
the mechanism that there you reach a minimum threshold of trial. So without a minimum threshold, then you're not validating the proof of concept and you can't then go to your distributors and tell them that you tested it and that it works. They're going to ask you, where did you test it? How many stores? What were the <laughs> results per store? Sure. What was the price point? What was the repeat or purchase? You know, what was the conversion rate? So you got to have all those things really in place. But I would say that before all that starts, you must have clarity of expectation of your brand. You must understand who your target consumer really is. And you have to not only have the demographic profile of your consumer well in hand, you must have the psychographical profile of your consumer. What does this person look like? How do they dress? What do they drive? Where do they go out and eat? How often do they go out and eat? Do they do things in groups? Do they go to bars? Do they go to clubs? You know, what kind of purses do they buy? What kind of <laughs> shoes do they buy? Right. All of those things fits into a profile that you then use to develop what you call your core values of your brand. And you have to then do the brand architecture to make sure that the brand architecture is developing in such a way that it's consistent with the learnings of your target consumer. You got to start with a consumer. You got to end with a consumer. At the end of the day, you're not the boss anymore. The minute you develop a brand, the real boss is the consumer. They tell you whether you're doing a good job or not. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. And good coaching, you know, for those that are out there. Um, so great talking to you, Jose. Um, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, learn about Copa, et cetera. Well, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn personally, but um, please go to the www.copacocktails.com. You'll see a lot of the assets that the brand has been developed. After thinking through what the target consumer's needs and state of mind is, so we can deliver against those wishes. And I think you'll start to see our work and our marketing team's work uh, really depicted in the imagery and assets online. That's going to be key. Yeah, it's just great. Just add ice. That's all you got to do. Um, that's <laughs> so great. Hey, Jose, so great having you here with us. We'd love to have you back on down the road as you continue to add uh, not only more product, but more, you know, I'd say commercial execution in retail. And um, it's just been so great meeting you and having you here with us today. Thanks for making the time to share with us some more about Copa. Justin, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I hope that your audience really... Uh, has fun launching their brands and that they, their vision really comes alive. That's really wonderful. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>